Today is the second Sunday in Lent, and we are continuing talking about what it is like to let go and to let God. What are the things that we are hanging on to that are hurting us, that are causing us pain? And how do we let those things into God's care, knowing that it is by God's touch that those things are going to be transformed and changed into something new? Today, we are talking about grudges, because grudges destroy relationships. Not only do they destroy relationships, but grudges keep us living in the past. They prevent us from being able to experience the present or really even to live fully into the future. We hang on to a grudge because we believe that it will somehow uh, cure us of our discomfort, that it is going to heal us, but grudges never do. When we hold on to a grudge, we are protecting our pain from the past, believing that by protecting it, we are somehow allowing it to heal when really by protecting it, we are only causing it to fester. I want you to join me in listening to the words of Jesus to his friends in Luke 17, verses 3 through 4. Jesus says this, Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Please join me as we pray. God, many of us come into this time of worship carrying heavy burdens that are anchoring us in our pain and hurt and resentment. So as we come to experience your good news, please speak to us plainly so that we can learn how to embrace the good things that you have to give us and so that we can let go of the things that are causing us so much hurt. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 1920s, Adolf and Rudolf Dassler started a shoe company out of their mother's home in Germany. In 1936, their business got a huge boost when USA track and field star Jesse Owens wore their shoes and went on to win four gold medals at the Berlin Olympics. Their shoe company began to take off, but then mysteriously, Adolf and Rudolf's relationship started to sour. Some say that it started from a conflict with one of their wives. Some say that it was from some ill-received comments that happened during World War II. No one knows what really caused the feud. But nonetheless, in the late 1940s, the feud between the brothers led them to launch competing shoe manufacturers. Adolf, whose nickname was Addy, started a company called Adidas. And Rudolph similarly decided to start a company using parts of his first and last name, calling his company Ruda, which today we know as Puma. The brothers constructed factories on opposite sides of the river in their hometown, and their rivalry grew so intense that local shops catered only to one brand or the other, and it became frowned upon for people to build relationships that might cause someone to be married to someone from one factory into the other. 
what is what I'm saying is that this grudge that was nurtured between these two brothers eventually went on to cause tension in relationships amongst their friends and family and neighbors. Grudges absolutely destroy relationships. But man, don't we all love a good grudge? It doesn't matter how long ago that grudge started, we can still find some passion as we evaluate conflicts that have happened in the past. For instance, this story about Adolf and Rudolph, it was made into a film called The Brothers Feud that aired in 2018. Also in 2018, there was a film called Mary, Queen of Scots. It starred Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie, and it portrayed the famous grudge between Queen Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots, both of who lived in the 1500s. In 2015, there was a musical called Hamilton that premiered on Broadway, and it portrayed the long-standing feud between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Grudges are ingrained in American folklore. We have the Hatfields and the McCoys. We have Al Capone and Bugs Moran, which led us to the Valentine's Day Massacre in 1929. In 1941, sisters Olivia de Havilland and Joan Fontaine were both nominated for the same Oscar to be the best actress. And when Fontaine won, both sisters who lived well into their 90s continued to nurture a grudge against the other until Fontaine's death in 2013. Grudges destroy relationships, with the most famous grudges often destroying life, resulting in multiple deaths. And yet, they also seem to provide us a sense of fascination and entertainment. When we are bystanders to a grudge, we take a certain joy in taking sides, in weighing who might be right or more righteous, in participating in some of the self-righteousness that comes with the side that we have chosen. And when we are not the bystanders, when the grudge that we are nurturing is within our own heart, then we can still manage to take some of that same pleasure. Our grudges tend to be smaller than many of these epic kinds of feuds, such as Liz, who at the age of 65 remains angry and upset with her ex-boyfriend from high school because days after their breakup, he decided to ask out her best friend. Or such as Paul, who at the age of 45 can't forgive his sister for excluding him so regularly from the events he wanted to participate in as a child. Or Shelley, who has always resented her mother because she always suspected that her mom loved her brother more than her, and she can't quite forgive her mother for not giving her the love that she felt she needed. We hold grudges, and they are actually painful for us to maintain. Why is it that we do this to ourselves? Why is it that we try and hang on to this hurt even when it goes against what we actually want? Mental health experts have studied why we do this, why we hold on to grudges when they are actually difficult or painful to keep, 
or when they go against these things that we really want? Why is it that we keep these wounds active and open, continually refreshing these painful past experiences in our lives that then prevent us from having new experiences that might offer us healing and hope? What is it that keeps us stuck when we really want to move on and go? One thing that researchers have found is that holding on to a grudge provides us with an identity. And so it provides us with a feeling of security. And that's a big part of why we do it. So long as we keep our grudge intact, we feel a level of certainty about who we are and where we stand in the world because we know that at some point we are a person who has been wronged. Even though there might be a part of us that doesn't like that identity, we still find security in just having it, even if we are just identifying with our own anger and bitterness and pain. Experts believe that our grudge and the identity that comes with that grudge is an attempt on our part to experience some kind of comfort and compassion and empathy and understanding that we feel we didn't get at the time. Grudges are a result of our longing to feel something that we fear is missing, something that we are afraid we are never going to get. The problem with grudges is that they don't actually serve the purpose that they are there to serve. They don't make us feel better. They don't heal our hurt. And they don't give us access to that compassion and empathy that we long for. Instead, they create this black hole of pain that sucks us in whenever we get too close to it. It sends us from the present moment into this painful past, this different time and space when we were wronged, when we were hurt, and when we felt like we missed out on getting the understanding and compassion that we so desperately needed. Which is why I think Jesus says what he says today about forgiving. Because forgiving over and over and over again isn't something that we need to do unless we are face to face with a grudge. I love the way that Eugene Peterson phrases our scripture passage for today. He says this in the message. Jesus said to his disciples, be alert. If you see a friend going wrong, correct them. If they respond, forgive them. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day and seven times they say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Forgive them. Jesus knows what an outrageous ask this is to make of his friends. In the Jewish tradition at the time, a person was only required to forgive someone three times. That fourth time, I guess, they were entitled to hang on to their resentment. So telling his disciples to forgive seven times in one day, that was a massive ask. And the disciples, in turn, they have no idea how they are going to be able to do this. They replied to Jesus by saying, Lord, increase our faith. But Jesus won't let them off the hook. He replies to them by saying, you don't need more faith. There is no more or less when it comes to faith. If you have just a 
bare kernel of faith, then that is enough. You see, Jesus doesn't want our identity shaped in any way by our bitterness and our anger. Jesus wants our identity to be shaped by compassion and empathy. Jesus doesn't want us to feel like we are forever chasing compassion and empathy and understanding. He doesn't want us to feel as though those things that we need are always going to be at arm's length. Because each of those things is offered to us every day by the God's own hand. We might think that it sounds impossible for us to let go of our grudges to let go of our bitterness and our hurt. But friends, it is not impossible. Jesus says that we have all the faith that we need in order to do this big thing. If we just lean on a small little speck of our faith, the size of a mustard seed, then that will be enough. It might not be that the understanding and the compassion and the empathy that we long for will come from the source that we want it from. But if we lean on that tiny seed of faith, then all of the things that we long for are going to be offered to us through God, which means that freedom from our anger and our hurt and our pain is within our reach. Friends, I want to ask, where have you embraced your anger and bitterness and hurt and made it part of your identity? Is there a grudge that you believe is worthy of your ongoing righteous anger, despite what it might be stealing from you? Is there a situation in your life where you have held back from extending forgiveness because you are afraid that you won't encounter the understanding and compassion and empathy that you need in order to heal. These are all such reasonable fears, my friends. We all experience them. This business of forgiveness is vulnerable work and it feels risky. And yet, Jesus says to us that it's worth the risk Jesus says to us that forgiving a grudge is not an impossible feat. Last week, Tom Toole, he invited us to join him in a practice throughout Lent of praying with open hands, open so that God can place into our hands the things that God is longing to give us, but open also so that God can take out of our hands those things that are no longer ours to carry. So friends, I want to ask you to join me in practicing that today. Can you open your hands? Can you allow God to take that grudge out of your control? Is there any way that when you find and you finally let go of that grudge, is there any way that you can lean on that tiny kernel of faith that as your hands are now empty, they will be filled with compassion and empathy and understanding the very amount you need in order to heal. You know, probably the most famous of grudges, the most famous of feuds within our nation is the story about the Hatfields and the McCoys. 
No one, not even the Hatfields and McCoys, know what started their ongoing feud, that persistent grudge. They believe that it probably began over a hog sometime in the 1860s. In the 1870s, there was a court battle over timber rights, and that really escalated the tension, and that ongoing feud took nearly a dozen lives over the following decades. Did you know that it wasn't until 2003 when that feud was finally ended by a formal truce? Representatives from each side, from each family came and they signed this piece of paper. And after that happened, Rayo Hatfield said that he sees this truce as a true proclamation of peace. He hoped that it would offer something to the nation that was still divided at that time. And he said this, he said, we are not saying that you don't have to fight because sometimes you have to fight but you don't have to fight forever. Friends, open your hands. What is it that God can take away? And what is it that God is longing to put in? Join me this week as we let go of our grudges, as we let God heal our souls. Amen.